You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And I'm not sure if this totally ticks all the criteria off for an emergency pod, Frank, but it is Saturday night over there, Sunday afternoon here in Australia. We don't normally record on the weekend, but this Bucks win over the Clippers before we even get to the details, I'm just going to ask you straight off the bat because I've been thinking about this since the game yesterday. I don't know whether I can remember a game that comes close to this in terms of enjoyment, in terms of playing uh, the team that the Bucks were playing in a regular season game at home at Fireserve. And even then, I, I don't know how far back you have to go because the Bucks had a number of uh, sort of, I guess you would call signature road wins last year, but I'm not sure they had too many home wins like this. I don't know. Where, where, does, where does this sit for you? Oh, man. I probably have to think about that a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I mean, the wins that come to mind for me, like, to, to, uh, the, well, Toronto didn't really count because, like, Kawhi didn't play. They had Boston after the All-Star break, but that game was kind of just trash. And then I, I don't know outside of that. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're talking about just regular season games, presumably, right? Because obviously... Yeah, yeah, just regular season. Um, you know, obviously playoff games take, take on added value. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, the, there obviously have been, like, more exciting, like, bigger, like, Giannis performance type games, which, sure. you know, certainly uh, I, I've enjoyed more just because of the sort of spectacular nature of the, the individual performance from Giannis. But I think just as far as, like, just massive, you know, team victories... Um, Obviously, it's rare that you can, you know, take a team as talented as as the Clippers and just, you know, annihilate them. And I mean, to be fair, I mean, this game was not—it was not like the Bucks jumped out to a twenty-point lead in, you know, the first half, and and then just kind of it was a laugher all the way throughout. I mean, you know, it really wasn't until the late third quarter that this game kind of just got blown open. So um, it was reasonably competitive for, you know, maybe two and a half quarters. Um, and so it was, it was at least entertaining. It wasn't like a, you know, laugher from, from the word go, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as games that had a lot of hype, especially given the bucks, you know, obviously somewhat due to schedule, somewhat due to, uh, just, you know, guys being hurt when they've played some of these good teams. Um, this is obviously the, the most talented team. I think you could say that the bucks have faced. Um, and, and again, I'll do apologies to the, you know, Celtics and, uh, Raptors, who we saw at least pretty pretty healthy versions of when uh, when the Bucks played them, but um, but yeah, I mean this was uh, this was just you know one of those games that um, I I mean from the outset like when Paul George missed like his first couple shots, um, I started to feel like okay this might just you know and Brook Lopez was missing everything felt like okay is this just going to be like a rock fight where everybody's sort of like too tense and you know if anybody starts making shots then then that team might win. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a strange game. The Bucks bench 
which, you know, I think probably coming in, we would have said, you know, non-Giannis, non-Middleton lineups would have been like the like kiss of death potentially in this game. And weirdly enough, they ended up kind of being the the story of, of this game. And um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I obviously wasn't in the building, but you could kind of feel it even watching on television, just how electric the, the crowd was. And you know, obviously with Giannis's birthday and got in some late birthday uh, <laughs> uh, wishes and some dancing, which was, which was fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just a, a very cool atmosphere. And obviously, um, you know, like we said, this was a measuring stick game for the Bucks. Having won all these games in a row, this was obviously one we were looking forward to. And to pass with uh, such flying colors, obviously, is a, a pretty great statement for the Bucks. And almost, you know, it's almost like I feel like it's almost going to get buried a little bit just because it wasn't competitive. You know, like it's <laughs> almost like they won it by too many points or, you know, like because there wasn't any crunch time and kind of meaningful stuff. It's almost like, oh, well, what did we even learn from this? Well, that, that's, I, I guess that's what happens in a game like this because now uh, people, yeah, you're right. They might look at this and say, well, what do you actually take from this? I mean, you know, the Bucks blew them out. And I will say that, yeah, sure, the last 14 minutes of this game, I mean, as you sort of pointed to, particularly the first half, uh, I think I, I, I commented something that it was a playoff atmosphere and it certainly felt like that. And even the start, as you, as you touched on, the missed shots, and it did feel like there was a bit of tension in the building and in the crowd as well. They were kind of sitting around waiting for something to happen. The Bucks only had eight points on the board with uh, just over five minutes left in the first quarter. Now they end up scoring 22 in the, in the last five minutes. But yeah, it was, a, it was a rough start for both teams shooting the ball. And the Clippers overall, it's, it's interesting. I mean, only 25% from three. We did speak before the game that they aren't a team that shoots that well from three. And we pointed to Paul George being a big factor there. He himself was three for six from deep. So uh, he certainly did his part, but did not have a lot of help from, from anyone else. But I think we should really, like when we get into specifics, I think it's fair to start with Giannis. You mentioned it was his birthday, which uh, it's still, even though you know, I, when, I, when I think of the fact that Giannis just turned 25, it's just absolutely insane to think that he is that young. But per 36 numbers, now we, we've spoken about this a lot, but I just like reading them out because they're so funny to read. Uh, so far this season, Giannis per 36, averaging 35.3 points, 15 rebounds and 6.2 assists over the last four games. Giannis is averaging 44 points, 16.5 rebounds, and then just a, an absolutely embarrassing 4.1 assists uh, per 36 over, <laughs> over the last four games. But, but seriously, I mean, what he's done over this last little stretch, and sure, you can point to the opposition being a big factor uh, over the first three. But yesterday, against, against the Clippers, against a really good defense with a team that, that is built uh, to throw multiple bodies at him, the fact that he was able to get off the chain in that third quarter and really have a dominant stretch, I feel like that's really big for him because at halftime, he did uh, only have 10 points. He was 4 for 10 from the field. In the second quarter, we started to see some of that stuff we saw in the conference finals where Kawhi Leonard wasn't generally matched up on him one-on-one, but he was that guy that was that second that second uh, body there. And we know he's got such great timing and just those massive hands to steal the ball. He got took the ball away from Giannis a couple of times. And I was like, well, yeah, the Bucs are playing really well, but I'd like to see Giannis get some confidence here, particularly uh, when you think of the most recent memories of, of playing against a defense like that with Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, the, the matchups, in a lot of ways, it was kind of ironic because, you know, the matchups didn't materialize in a lot of ways. I mean, no. most notably just because, I mean, Paul George and Kawhi just didn't 
didn't play particularly well offensively. They just, they, you know, they were, their numbers, I mean, neither, neither of them cracks 20 points. Um, you know, both didn't, did not have great shooting nights, even though George had hit three out of six from deep, but you know, neither of them really kind of made their presence felt. And, um, you know, Pat Beverly started out on, on Middleton, yeah. which was probably the most surprising thing to me because, um, you know, we've seen last year against the Raptors in the regular season. I mean, um, I mean, there were a couple of games where like Kawhi just sort of erased Middleton <laughs> offensively. Um, and so the fact that they were, you know, it was, it was a very regular season thing, I would say, to shield, um, you know, George and Kawhi to a large extent from having to really play kind of like man defense against the Bucks' best players, right? We saw Mo Harkless defending Giannis from the start. Um, we did see some some matchups between uh, Giannis and Kawhi. He most notably had that kind of running hook shot, um, which was a really tough shot over Kawhi in the third quarter, I think it was. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of expecting, oh man, this is like a, you know, a game where Chris might really struggle because they're going to, you know, you've got these two all-world defensive guys who can lock him down. But, um, you know, they started with Beverly on him. And um, offhand, I don't recall exactly how much, you know, those other guys might have defended him, but... Chris got off to a really nice start using that size over Beverly, like he very much likes to do over smaller players. And um, he was just, again, in control, very measured. Uh, Chris was great. I mean, he's not going to be the storyline of this game, um, Giannis is, but uh, Chris was really good. The bench was great. And then, you know, that third quarter where the Bucks, you know, really basically ran away and, and hid, um, that was really the statement quarter from Giannis. And, and obviously we've, We've seen that many times this season. He's been a second-half player, and, and of late, he doesn't play much in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so yeah. he pretty much only has the third quarter to really kind of do damage. And, uh, you know, after 10 points in the first half, kind of left some points out there on the floor. You know, it kind of – it's one of those games, like, he, I think he missed, like, a short kind of running banker. He missed, like, a short little – I don't even call it a hook shot, but a little, like, you know, four- or five-foot push shot. Like, it was one of those games where it's like, man – Giannis's sort of touch around the basket was just not there. Um, and so you're kind of like, oh, man, like, you know, he, he, this isn't A-plus Giannis we're seeing. But as is so often the case, um, and, and you tweeted about it, you know, he had that start to the third quarter where uh, he got that and one in, in transition on, on Paul George and then, um, you know, just kind of went to work. Uh, you know, he, he lost. It, it was interesting. Um, I felt like early in the season he has the Bucks just in general – it's like there's been times where it seems like Giannis was sort of like cutting free or there was an action where, you know, they run some interference and, you know, he's kind of coming loose towards the basket. And they just like seemed like the timing was never there. Like a guy was never really in a position to find him. Um, and this game, um, you know, he back cut the, the Clippers like, what, three times, yeah, four yeah. times, some, something like that, getting um, some very easy baskets, uh, basically using the, the Clippers kind of, you know, uh, attempts to, to lock him down from the top um, against them, which is encouraging to see, right? Because that's, that's a good counter to have. Um, but, you know, Middleton threw that beautiful lob off an inbound, a side inbound for a dunk, which is like, you know, the ultimate, ooh, we should do that every time type play, uh, <laughs> which is, is really hard. But it's like, hey, put, you know, let's draw that up a little bit. Let's put that on the, the, the ATO list a, a bit more. Um, and, uh, yeah, but he was, uh, you know, even, even those things aside, I mean, uh, he was just, just really, really good in that third quarter hit the three. Um, and, uh, you know, mentioned that, that hook over, over Kawhi and, um, 
man, the, the dunk he had on Zubats, oh. uh, obviously was, I think everybody watching, listening to us, obviously has probably seen that replay how many times, but, um, you know, Zubats on that replay, you see like kind of the low angle replay. I mean, Zubats' hand is up at the squ- top of the square. Giannis is over the square. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was just one of those where uh, I can jump higher than you can. And um, I mean, the, the photos, the replays, everything is just spectacular from that play. And uh, and then, you know, he had another beautiful hesitation move using that three-point yeah, shot yeah. as we were I, discussing. You know, I thought of you. I thought of you when he did that. Yeah. Did that. And now it was Zubats. Let's be clear about that. But I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it was a nice But move. still, yeah. But, but yeah, it was on the right side. And, and uh, you know, this is what we talked about last podcast after the Pistons game. You know, okay, great. You're hitting starting to hit threes. Now how do you weaponize that to, you know, basically make people bite, make people um, – give you lanes to drive to and, and Zubats uh, Giannis kind of threw a little bit of a hesitation on him as though he was going to rise up for, for the three point shot. And Zubats had that just, you know, brief split second of hesitation. And sure enough, I mean, <laughs> you know, Zubats is not going to keep up with him in space very easily anyway. And he drives past him, throws down the dunk. I think that was his last basket of the game. So it was, you know, we were well into, uh, you know, everybody was, was lighting up the victory cigars at that point. So, um, so yeah, just a really fun, really fun performance for Giannis and, um, you know, on the bench in the fourth quarter, uh, crowd chanting happy birthday <laughs> and he starts bobbing his head and then gets up and starts, you know, doing whatever kind of dance that was. And I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, this is just a, it was a really festive atmosphere. It felt like really like a celebration of, of what this buck season has been so far. Um, and, and again, you don't, you don't really get to do that when you're, you know, beating up on bad teams so much, you don't, you don't necessarily feel like you can celebrate it that much. So, you know, granted, yes, it is regular season, but, um, I mean, people pay tons and tons of money to go to regular season games. And this is why to see these kinds of performances, um, to enjoy the the kind of atmosphere that, that you saw on Friday night. And, uh, obviously it's, it's just great to see, because obviously this team has been playing like this for a while now. And I mean, Again, maybe not this this well, but I think you know certainly the Clippers also did not have their their A game or anything close to it on on Friday, which was a big part of the story here as well. But uh, you know, take nothing away from the Bucks. You know, they went out there, and you know, when you're leading a team like the Clippers by 40 points in the fourth quarter, you're you're doing a lot of things right. And, and just uh, a, a couple of last things on Giannis. It was interesting. You mentioned the the couple of times they got him diving back to the to the hoop. That was really nice to see. You mentioned the the hesitation move there as well. I there was a there was a play early in the game, and Mo Harkless, funnily enough, was the guy that that got him um, on quite a few possessions, particularly early in the game. And then we even saw Patrick Patterson a little bit um, in the second quarter. But I, I think that if the Clippers are going to go to this this uh, defense where, and first of all, they've got they've got lots of options. I mean, they this is just a eh, let's see how this works out. It's December, they, and they can put Kawhi uh, on on Giannis when they need to in crunch time in the playoffs. Which you know, again, if these two teams meet, it's going to be in the NBA Finals, so uh, it's all going to be on the line there. But we saw Giannis with a he sort of went back to take that sort of fadeaway jump shot, which I still am not a big fan of. I just I don't think it's a shot he needs to take. It always feels like he uh, can get the, ba- the baseline fadeaway. Yeah, the, it's, yeah, he, that, he, that's a vanity shot. It's a vanity shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he can just get a better look than that every single time. And we saw him actually move to that Harkless border a little bit and he uh, stepped through underneath and got himself yeah. uh, a bucket early. Yeah. It was a nice move. And, and I think yeah. 
But I think the important thing with that is if you get because I don't think that the Clippers, if they're not going to put Kawhi George or uh, Kawhi George, Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on him, then Giannis is clearly going to have the advantage. But the move has to be quick and it probably has to be um, baseline as well. And we saw that, and I was just like, okay, that's interesting because you, even though again it was a regular season game, to see all these different things the Bucks were trying in what was. Yeah, you know, I don't know how similar you want to say it was to the Raptors. I mean, we already mentioned the fact they didn't have a, a big at the level of, of Marcus Sola or anything like that. But the way that Kawhi was was helping a lot um, was certainly somewhat similar. So it was nice to see the Bucks get Giannis some different looks and, and try and get him uh, rolling because look, the reality is the Clippers are they've got a lot of defensive tools that they can they can throw at Giannis and it's it's gonna be a tough matchup for him. Yeah, and <clears throat> I mean and that's that's why I was having a, a discussion around uh, this on Twitter recently and, and, you know, about how much do you get from kind of regular season games? And um, I mean, obviously look like you're going to get more from a game against the Clippers than you are from a game against the Pistons, obviously, as far as, you know, trying to decode a, <laughs> how legitimate of a, a contender a team is. Um, but there is just so much noise in these, in these individual games um, that, you know, again, like, the, the whole make or miss league thing, right? I mean, the Clippers go eight out of 32 from three. Um, and again, not that the Bucks were um, giving them tons and tons of wide open looks or something like that. I mean, 32 threes is certainly a, a, a probably a, a pretty good number for the Bucks uh, on any given night, um, just because they obviously give up tons of threes. Um, but, you know, again, Bucks ended up 39%. So didn't really necessarily shoot the lights out either. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think until, you know, if, if we had seen Paul George matched up with Chris and, and Giannis being defended by Kawhi and you still got the same result, then I think, yeah, you probably feel like a little bit that, that would be like the one thing. Cause I'm, I'm not going to nitpick, you know, a, a, an ass kicking like this, you know, this is as fun as it's probably going to be during the regular season, as far as these sort of outcomes go. But, um, but I think it, that would have been like the only other thing that, you know, you would have liked to see just because it would have made you feel like, okay, that's like the thing that they can do in the playoffs that, um, that, you know, you would feel like they're not holding something back. Right. Like, you know, you always, you, the joke used to always be about pop, like, you know, pop wouldn't use stuff during the regular season because he didn't want to waste it. Right. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if doc rivers was holding something back. Um, I think probably, you know, doc in his post game comments was more just, I would say complimentary of the Bucks just coming out and really playing with an intensity that his team did not match. And I don't think he was making excuses because I think he was right. I, you know, it just did not feel like from, you know, just like an energy physicality perspective that the, that the Clippers kind of brought the same level of intensity. And to be clear too, though, I mean, they also don't have, you know, it's not like they're a team of like big bangers either. Right. Uh, I mean, even Harold, who's their energy guy is, you know, relatively undersized for his position. And, um, and so it's, it's definitely there. I mean, they're an interesting team. They can play different styles, but um, you know, obviously I think we saw, look, the Bucks can, <laughs> yes, the Bucks can compete with the Clippers. If it comes to that in the NBA finals, I think this was a nice reminder. Um, and, and maybe not so much for Bucks fans, but, but maybe for the rest of the league that yes, you know, this isn't just a novelty Giannis plus a bunch of other guys type act. Um, you know, this team was, was pretty awesome last year and they're looking pretty awesome right now. And, um, it's a long ways from, from the time of year when you can actually prove that, that it matters, uh, at the highest level, but 
all you can do. Like we always say, all you can do is play the games on the schedule and, you know, you can't win games in, in May now, but um, as far as setting the right habits, um, building confidence, you know, maybe setting a tone, um, uh, you know, I think certainly you, you, you don't, you don't lose anything psychologically uh, when you come out and, and kind of kick a team's ass like this. Um, so yeah, all, it's all good. It is all good. And I, you know, I saw a funny, uh, a tweet that made me laugh um, from Matt Moore and he said, yes, the, the Bucks remain a juggernaut unless Fred Van Vliet has a baby. And it, it, it just, it just, oh man, I was like, this was like halfway through the third quarter or when the Bucks were really making their move. And it just made me laugh to, yeah, I mean, like that's the, that's the crazy thing about this Bucks team, not to bring up bad memories, but geez, I mean, they've just been dominant until a, a, a bad couple of games there. And, you know, that's all that matters. And as you said, you, you don't know what's going to happen in May and, and potentially June, but this Bucks team has been dominant for a long time now. And like you said, not to take anything away from this win, I will say that I do get the feeling, this, and this is just what I, how I imagine it would feel, if this game happened yesterday and the Clippers came out and rolled against the Bucks, and Kawhi and Paul George were just dominant defensively on Giannis and Giannis couldn't get anything going, I do think that mentally that would have been a bit of a blow for the Bucks when they consider, again, what happened in the conference finals. Like, I, I'm not in the grand scheme of things like this one game doesn't mean it's not going to mean anything come game one of the finals. If we get to that, but I do think it was a nice uh, mental thing for the bucks to come out and really dominate this game, particularly in the second half and get that win. But you mentioned outlier performances, and this is why the one game is such a, uh, a random thing, because you talk about the bench play. We spent the majority of the podcast uh, when we were previewing this game, talking about Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell and how dangerous the Clippers are that they can put uh, real pressure on your defense for 48 minutes. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the Bucks had eight points with 5.08 left in the first quarter. Pat Connaughton hit a three. Then Bledsoe hit a three. DiVincenzo got a steal. Pat Connaughton hit another three. The Bucks ripped off, I think it was a 19-2 to run, and they go in with a 15-point lead at the end of the first quarter. And that was really just the beginning for this bench. The, I mean, the bench was incredible for the Bucks. When you looked at the, the plus minus, uh, you know, throughout the game, it, it changed a little bit at the end. But even the fact that the Bucks win this game by uh, as much as they did, 20, 28 points, Giannis was only a plus seven in this game. And then you look at a guy like Ersan, plus 24, uh, Pat Connaughton, plus 35. I mean, this is this game did not go uh, follow the script that we thought we were going to, and I'm not sure you can really rely on that type of bench dominance from those guys. Pat Connaughton, five for five uh, from the field, two for two from three. Uh, George Hill picked up three steals. Dante had a career high four steals. I mean, the bench units were just incredible for the Bucks. Yeah, I, I mean, seeing Bud go to a, you know, no Giannis, no Chris lineup. Uh, was it midway through the first quarter, basically? <laughs> that was um, a scary moment when they had that, when they hadn't scored at all. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you come out and the the Bucks starters, something just kind of didn't seem right. Um, Brooke Lopez really betrayed you offensively, at least because you made your prediction that Brooke was actually going to make some shots and he just, 
couldn't make so anything. Which was... I just want to clear it up that I meant, I know I said that he would make five threes. What I meant is he would take five threes and he did. Uh, so I was right. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was tough. A uh, lot of, a uh, lot of assists, a lot of Giannis assists dying uh, at the hands of, <laughs> of Brooke Lopez brick shots. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those games where, you know, you got all this hype and it's like, Oh, these two great teams. And then lo and behold, uh, you know, they actually start playing and, you know, Kawhi thumped his first shot, mid-range shot off the back <laughs> backboard long and George misses him short. And the, you know, the, the, I think it was Harkless. Like they just, like the Clippers missed some shots just like really badly early. And it was just kind of like, you know, eh, they just don't they what's, what's going on here. Right. Like it just didn't seem like they had their usual sharpness. Now, you know, look, they, they also had some, some really good moments defensively. I mean, Kawhi, ripped Giannis at least a couple times uh coming over the double which you know shows you again why maybe they like obviously that strategy and not just yeah. using him as kind of a one-on-one weapon um but uh but yeah I mean it, it was uh it was it was strange I mean you know looking at the numbers you mentioned you know the, some of the Bucks numbers um you know Harrell and uh and Lou Williams combined for I think basically 40 points a game between them even though they both come off the bench and you know Harrell Harold uh, Harold had his way for like a short spurt there, especially against Ilya Silva. Um, but I mean, he he's three out of seven for eleven points uh, in twenty four minutes. Two offensive rebounds. We talked about uh, the offensive rebounding by the Clippers that they led the league coming into this game. Um, they were held in check for the most part there at Bucks with a seventy seven percent defensive rebound rate, which is right about their their average, which is I think second in the league. Um, so they managed to kind of contain Harold well enough. Um, not that he didn't have some moments where it was like, okay, why is there son out there trying to defend, defend him? Um, but we also saw the Lopez brothers kind of struggle with his quickness as well. It seems like Giannis is maybe the only guy that, that could actually figure this out. But, uh, but yeah, Harold was at least contained. And then Lou Williams, yeah, 11 points on 13 shots. Take that every night, five turnovers, minus 33 for Lou Williams, minus 26 for Harold. Interestingly, none of the other guys off the bench were anywhere close to that bad in terms of plus minus, um, because it was really Williams with Williams, uh, Harrell, and then the starters, some of the starters for for LA who were sort of the problem, uh, the problem spots. When you think about, you know, just again, not to correlate a single game plus minus with individual performance, but certainly it tells the story of what happened when those guys were on the court and whatever they were doing obviously was not working. And uh, it just seemed like the Bucks' energy, they're cutting their defense, you know, Dante, his, his energy, um, you know, some of the, 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 the steals you mentioned, he had four steals. It just seemed like the Bucks' activity levels was off the charts, sort of disrupting what the Clippers wanted to do. And, you know, you look at their offensive rating, 85.9. Um, I mean, that's a phenomenal defensive <laughs> night from the Bucks. I mean, that's phenomenal if you're playing the Cavs. Um, when you're playing the, the Clippers, you know, then it's, it's a whole different thing. Cause obviously the, the bar for, for LA is, is way higher. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was just one of those games where just, um, it just felt like stuff was, was kind of contagious there with that bench. And, you know, you can't say enough about kind of what Connaughton, um, and, and Dante, uh, in particular brought when they, when they came on the court, on the court, you know, George, uh, thought was positive and and Ursan who had kind of a I mean he ends up five out of 11 but felt like he was he felt like he had a nice run um when Giannis went to the bench I think it was in the third quarter when Giannis 
kind of went to the bench after his hot start. I think that was when Ursan sort of had his period where he just just started popping up, cutting in, you know, savvy veteran, just getting layups, running the court, um, doing Ursan stuff. Um, so he ended up, you know, with a with a you know plus twenty four as as you mentioned as well. So uh, so yeah, I mean the bench, I think, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think the Bucks bench. I think we, you know, people who follow the Bucks would say the Bucks are very deep. I, th- I think we'd acknowledge there's no Montrez Harrell, there's no Lou Williams in this group. Um, but as far as you know, complementing the rest of the team and kind of fitting well and playing systemically in the way that the Bucks want to play. Um, you know, you can't say enough about, about how, how they've played, you know, really for most of the season, but then obviously this game, um, a nice reminder to, uh, to the league that, you know, they had, especially Connaughton Hill, they had obviously huge moments in the playoffs last year. And, uh, you know, those guys obviously are, are still capable of doing that this year, even if, you know, maybe they aren't the sexiest names, even if they aren't, you know, high volume scorers. Well, funnily enough, this game, it wasn't a national TV game in the states but it was in australia and so we had the uh fox sports wisconsin feed uh over over here and they were playing a replay uh just before so on on the sunday so uh the next day i guess they just i don't know i just figured it out they replayed the games obviously so i i of course i found myself watching it again and it was interesting you, you mentioned that ursan sort of stretch in the third quarter and i guess I, it kind of skipped my mind that once Giannis, or it started when Giannis was on the floor, but then eventually Giannis went off. And Ursan finished with six straight points there in the third. He had nine altogether, I think, in the third quarter. But he uh, finally got to the free throw line and hit a couple uh, free throws. And then he had back-to-back uh, layups under the basket. But before that, he actually missed two threes and then missed another couple of shots as well. So when you say he's five for 11... It's just kind of funny to think. I think Ersan took six out of seven shots on the Bucks' offense uh, to to end the third quarter or in that stretch in the third quarter. He was just getting in really good spots. And he is just a smart player like that. He always finds himself sort of just standing there under the basket and he can get those weird-looking like quick-release layups off. And uh, it, was, it was a solid game for Ersan. There's not too many games where he takes 11 shots, um, but he did in this one. But Dante is interesting because... I think this is now. First of all, there's not going to be too many games where he comes out a, a plus. Uh, what? It, oh, he was plus fifteen. Pat Connor was plus thirty-five. But Dante was just two for seven from the field, one for four from three. But he just had a huge impact on this game. And when we had that discussion last week about him potentially staying in the starting lineup, or how we felt about that. I think yesterday was a good example why I think he should come uh, with the second unit because. It's not necessary. I mean, he's going to have games where he's going to shoot the ball well, and you love that. And that's generally going to result in, in a good, good things for the Bucs if he's getting up his four or five threes and hitting three or four of them. Like, that's going to be a good thing. But he just does so much, even if he's not scoring. And it, it doesn't always show up on the box score. But every single shot that misses, I feel like Dante is flying in over the top for some offensive rebound. And he doesn't always grab the ball, but he tips it. It becomes a loose ball. There was a possession yesterday where. Giannis uh, recovered an offensive rebound. He went to look for Dante in the left corner and Kawhi cut off uh, that pass. And then Kawhi was trying to bring the ball up the the court. Dante was just harassing him and and forced Kawhi to misdribble the ball. It resulted in Giannis hitting the floor and and forcing the jump ball uh, with Kawhi. Then the box got possession back. And that was just such a Dante thing. You you don't see anything from that. It doesn't show up on the box score. 
But when they, in these second uh, unit lineups, when you want to keep that defensive intensity up, force turnovers, create stops, and then uh, look for transition opportunities, when you don't necessarily have the guy, Giannis, on the court where you can just say, here you go, like, do something really uh, ridiculous, that becomes really important. And I, I, I just really like him in, in these second unit uh, lineups because he's just consistently <clears throat> a factor at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and it's going to depend, obviously, night to night as far as like who you're playing too, because um, I think it, it would have been very interesting if Shamit had been healthy for this game, because if Landry Shamit starts in lieu of Mo Harkless, that kind of changes like probably a lot of the matchups that we saw to start the game. Um, and like Dante would have been an obvious guy to have starting um, in place of like Wes Matthews, maybe if if you have Shamit out there. Um, and but we and we need to talk about Wes Matthews because uh, he did a really nice job on Kawhi all night. He had a really really good game. Um, but yeah, I mean Dante is an interesting guy because um, you know he's not necessarily like a guy who's going to lock down point guards. But um, if you need someone to kind of give you that combination of he can chase around screens, he can get over screens, um, he can stay with guys who are going to be really active running around on the court. Uh, but then he's also a guy who can you know like I always say like I say he's he's an energy little. Um, you know, you don't think of, of like defensive energy coming from small guys. Um, and this is where always that, like that Marcus smart comparison kind of creeps in my mind a little bit. And again, very different like yeah. physiques, you know, obviously smarts much kind of bigger, stronger than, than Dante is. Um, but, uh, just as far as like, there's just, there's just something about when he's on the court, like you're saying, like, it's a big rebound, it's a loose ball, it's cutting into a passing lane. Um, you know, just stuff like that. He just does, you know, it's hashtag Dante stuff. Um, he just makes plays that, that guys just don't, not a lot of guys make, uh, and especially at his size. And and so really it's just, you know, when he's making, um, when he's making an impact with his scoring, I think that's when, you know, he really kind of brings that like additional dimension because that's obviously the, the piece that, is going to, you know, vary more significantly from game to game. But, you know, as you mentioned, he didn't shoot well in this game, um, but his aggressiveness got six out of six free throws, I think it was. Um, so he still ends up scoring double digits and grabs those four steals and, and just generally made, you know, the Clippers offense, just the timing, the, you know, I mean, I think Kawhi and Paul George have only played eight games together. And, and it looked like that, you know, like this looked like a team that, that does not have a lot of familiarity with one another, right? Um, in contrast to a team like the Bucks, which obviously, you know, the core of this team has been, um, you know, playing this system at an extremely high level now for whatever it is, you know, a year, year and a quarter plus, plus a big, a long playoff run. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's almost a tough game because for us to talk about, because there's just so many interesting things to, to reference, you know, we've talked about, I think what, let's, let's look at, we talked about Giannis, we talked about Chris, we've talked about Dante, um, we talked about Pat. Okay, so we are going to leave it there for the first half of our recap of the game against the Clippers. Given it is the weekend, we figured that we're going to split this one up over two. There's so much to talk about from what was, in my opinion, the most enjoyable win of the season and maybe uh, the most enjoyable home regular season win since Bud uh, came into town. So we will be back tomorrow. You'll be able to hear the rest of the stuff we're going to go through. We're going to talk West. We're going to talk Brooke Lopez. We're going to talk uh, a bunch of other stuff. Eric Bledsoe, there's, there's plenty that we got through in the second half of this chat. But for now, for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.